Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Miss Bree Newman, all the way from Toronto, which is like a stone throw away from me. I don't know why I said all the way. It sounded cool. And uh, Brandon Smith. Brandon, I forget. How, how, where are you at again? I forgot where you're located. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. That's right. I knew it was way up there. I, I was going to mess it up, so I didn't even say it, so I thought, I thought, I thought I'd ask. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, guys, for everyone out there that's listening and watching right now and kind of don't know how you two started in the industry or kind of even what you're doing right now, let's start off with a couple origin stories because I bet you they're super good origin stories. So, um, you know what, Bree, I'm going to start off with you. Um, how did you get started in the automotive industry? Well, typically my go-to line is I was tricked into <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I started as a consultant uh, for a brand company and uh, we were doing a project for a dealership helping set up their HR department. So, uh, you know, graduated from business school, work, went right into consulting, you know, the, the path of that. And uh, here I am many, many years later and, and loving it. It's uh, been a really fun journey to get to this point, worked across North America with lots of different dealership sizes, OEMs, working on brand strategy, employee experience, all of those talent related items. And now am running uh, HR4, which is an HR platform uh, really focused on helping dealers manage their talent. And I think dealerships need some serious help managing their talent. Let's use the word talent. I think that that is the word that needs to be used in our industry right now. Um, if I could, I would literally just kill the word warm body. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like how often you guys, like it blows my mind. Like I'm, I know I'm digressing, but it's my podcast. I can do whatever I want, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, let's, yeah. let's actually bring talent back into the dealership. So we're going to talk more about that before we get into that. Uh, Brandon, for yourself, how did you get started in the, you know, land of misfit toys that we call the automotive industry? So mine was, uh, mine was a, probably more typical than Breeze. I was, uh, I had uh, just gotten married and uh, I had moved back. From, I was living in Ontario, moved back to Nova Scotia. And my mom had been in the time industry for about 10 years. Uh, at this time, and uh, I was kind of saying that, you know what, it's time for me to get in the, the car industry. She'd been a, an F&I manager for a long time, and that was something that I really wanted to do. And uh, so I started actually in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at a Kia dealership, um, near and dear to your heart, I'm sure, Jason. And, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, I actually became a finance manager for a Honda dealership. Then I went to a Mitsubishi dealership, um, and I had this terrible idea going along that I should be a GM someday. So I then became a sales manager, and uh, now I'm the new car sales manager here at Steel Chevrolet in Dartmouth. That's awesome. And you know what? To kind of start off our conversation, what uh, what? Let's identify kind of what your guys' current norm is, because I, I I love asking the question because it's so different for everybody. So so brief for yourself. What what is the current norm for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of people, which <laughs> is very different from the regular post pre-pandemic norm. Um, but honestly, it's answering a lot of uh, helping our clients with a lot of HR related stuff. Um, I'm thankful we are now in the 
Uh, things are reopening. How does that look from a strategy standpoint? Who are we bringing back? And what are going to be the new norm, uh, new norms in terms of responsibilities when someone does come back? So definitely thankful for those conversations versus the the world is ending. What do we do? Uh, type of conversations we had for the first few weeks. So that's uh, kind of the new normal. But yeah, you know, trying to stay in a routine, I think is the big has been the biggest thing, you know, still like working out and trying to by working out meaning like all you can really do is run or, you know, do some sit ups in your apartment. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, not not a whole lot. I do look forward to cooking, though, now, because I feel like it's the only thing you can like truly plan is cooking a good meal. So I try to do that a few times a week, but otherwise, uh, lots of working. You know, actually, it's the same for me. I actually do a lot of cooking. I actually thoroughly enjoy cooking. It's actually kind of one of my places for me to kind of zone out. And I am a master barbecuer. Like, I don't time anything. I, I just literally, think, I kind of sixth sense. I just know when things are done. And it's just like, I'll just be sitting there going, yeah, that brisket's done. I need to go flip it. And it's just like, I don't know. You know, I think I got it from my grandfather. But I've had the opportunity to do a lot of that as well. I mean, uh, this weekend, I actually camped in the backyard. Oh, yeah, every single bone in my body and muscle in my body aches right now. I mean, the fact that I slept on the ground in the backyard. You know, my kids, like, I got three under the age of nine. And, you know, they, they all weigh less than 50 pounds. So it's yeah. like, there isn't nothing there. They're just laying on the ground like, this is great. I had so much fun. And then I'm like, like I couldn't sleep at all. And the wind was howling. And it was just, but you know what? You do it for your kids. That's what you do, right? Yeah, you, you go yeah. with no sleep with it. Hey, uh, Brandon, for yourself, what what is the current norm look like for you? For us, we're actually in the process of kind of, um, well, at, at, before the pandemic started, we had a, our sales department employed about 40 different people, uh, including the managers and the GM and different support staff and salespeople. And um, when the pandemic started, we ended up temporarily laying off a big portion of it. We actually went down to about eight people. So we had four managers, uh, the GM, one finance manager, uh, and uh, two salespeople was what we had gone down to. And uh, that basically carried us through the last two weeks of March and then the first two weeks of April. So we started to bring people back on as we're leads are starting to climb and whatnot. And we're back up to now we have six salespeople, two prime managers, one non-prime manager, and then all the, the uh, uh, all the managers are here. So for a while there, a lot of the managers were wearing multiple hats and, and kind of doing everything we could to, to uh, be flexible and versatile in the uh, during the pandemic there to try to you know, keep things moving along with a reduced staff. But now we're getting to a point now where we're kind of getting closer to being almost back to full strength and uh, look forward to when we can really get back to full strength. So That's cool. And I'm glad to hear that we are kind of heading back. I mean, the announcement that we received, you know, that we can start doing, you know, sales by appointment, which still like a lot of people seem to think like the dealerships are open, like they're not open. Like, there's a lot of stipulations that are going into us being able to actually handle business by appointment only, you know, um, but let's talk a little bit more about how we see the new norm is going to progress. Because here's the one thing I don't think anybody has argued with me so far is that we're not going back mm -hmm. to the way it was, you know, and, and it, it's not because we're choosing to, it's because the customer is choosing to, I mean, I, I'll give you an example, you know, grocery stores. 
I will never walk into a grocery store again in my life. <laughs> for for the first off, I don't even know why the hell I was walking into a grocery store in the first place. I had three kids under the age of nine. You want to know what it's like walking into a grocery store with them? It's like how dumb was I? You know, <laughs> like, but but now since you know, like we've ordered our food, I I make purchases from Canadian Tire. I just pull in and I give them my number and they bring it out. Like that is kind of my new norm. And now what it is for, I think for a lot of customers is going to be the kind of the new expectation mm -hmm. is that the way that we engage with retail, and I don't think regardless what kind of retail is fundamentally changed. Now mm -hmm. I still believe there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to want to go back into a dealership and shake hands and, and hug it out when they make a deal. I don't know about the hugging part, but, um, but you know, and, 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 and that, and that's fine. But I think even those people that will want to go back into the dealership will still want to do a larger percentage of the transaction online, which changes everything. It changes the way we staff our dealerships. I mean, I, you know, Brandon, I'm glad to hear that people are coming back. But, you know, I was talking to a dealer principal earlier where, you know, for the last month and a half, uh, they've been having to do a lot with a little. And he's yeah. sitting there asking himself the question, do I really need, you know, this big of a team, you know, I'm thinking about to sell a car, you know, a person has to deal with a BDC rep, a sales manager, a salesperson, and an F&I manager. I need four people to actually handle a transaction. So, I mean, I know that sounds bad, but I mean, it's just the truth of the matter, right? So I think there's, you know, the way we staff our dealerships are going to change, the way the customer requires us to engage with them is going to change. But I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on this. Bree, I'm gonna start with you, and more, I think, from the HR perspective. You know, yeah. of like, how do you see staffing kind of changing, you know, getting into the new norm? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we've, that's been a recurring theme um, from a lot of our clients is hold up. Like we've been doing a lot with a lot less and, you know, this begs to say, do we need all of those positions? Um, they were kind of a luxury in a sense prior to, and, you know, maybe didn't make for a completely seamless customer experience because you were getting handed off through the process. I think, you know, the running joke we heard at the beginning of the pandemic was customers been, have been asking for social distancing for, for many years. <laughs> and, and now we kind of were accelerated as an industry into that. And I think that's, you know, a neat part in a sense. I mean, all, Obviously, uh, dealers being very large employers, especially in Canada, um, you know, I think I heard a stat the other day, they employ one in seven or one in nine um, people uh, in Canada. Like, that's a lot. Um, but I think what it's doing is it's forcing us to um, understand the importance of where our roles and responsibilities fall within the customer experience. So before, you know, we had a box of sales consultant. This is what you're supposed to do A through Z. Well, that role is really different. So it means we can recruit for a different type of person, which I think is super exciting. Um, now you think of the digital component of it. How comfortable is your current team or someone you're hiring with the digital side of things, right? Because ultimately, if they're not able to walk through that process or facilitate an online process or aren't comfortable on camera, um, then they're not going to be as impactful um, in this new age as, um, as you know, the before of the shaking hands and the hugs and, and that, that different side. So I think it's going to really, it's accelerated our need to look at what our job descriptions and our job accountabilities look for and the type of personality we're recruiting for. 
And I, I love the fact that you use the word accelerated because that's maybe actually what it is. I mean, I know I'm using the word the new norm and I know a lot of people are, and I think it's just kind of a general term for what we're talking about. But really what we're doing is we're talking about the way customers have always wanted to do business with us. Yeah. You know, like this isn't totally new. This is more, you know, to your point, Bree, is that this is just accelerated. All right. Yeah. Our, our requirement now to meet that customer's expectations, it's kind of, it's like they're putting their foot on the ground and saying, no, like, this yeah. is my expectation. You know, like, why do I buy a car and walk out with a folder of paper that's this bloody thick? But I go to Home Depot and I buy, you know, a 15 cent bolt and they email me the receipt. (laughs) It's just a lot of customer expectations are changing. Um, Brandon, for you, you know, at that dealership level, how do you see this kind of playing out going into this accelerated expectation of the customer on that they're going to have of us? For sure. So one of the things is I don't think a lot of people have kind of thought there's this huge paradigm shift coming and that, you know, we're going to go fully online and that dealerships may go, go to the wayside. But my experience here firsthand, like we, we never closed down. Like we weren't like Ontario where dealerships were shuttered. We've been, we were declared an essential service, both sales and service by the Nova Scotia government from the beginning. So we've been open nonstop. And um, we still have a lot of people who are coming in. Um, we still have people who, despite us trying to, to we as a rule for the store, we've set up things to be appoint, by appointment only mostly to, to make sure that we're enforcing social distancing and we're keeping six feet away or doing a lot of safety stuff. Um, there's a lot of people who are still expecting things to be the old way. And one of the things that was really good about our dealership is that we were always pretty forward thinking to begin with. So a lot of the shift to trying to do most, as much of the process online as possible uh, has allowed us to, to, you know, we already kind of were ready for this. So all the stuff of accelerating it, we were already kind of there. Um, we had an in-house video platform that we've been using extensively and, and uh, a lot of our processes that we already had in place were dealing with people remotely, dealing with customers over the phone and the internet. A lot, of, a lot of times we can do a deal before the customer ever got to the dealership. And um, so for us, we were really, really ready for this. And I think that's probably the reason why we've been so successful. Um, even in April alone, we delivered over 100 cars at our store here. And, uh, well, let's take a moment um, to say congratulations on that. Like, how how far off, by the way, from your target was that? Um, so we ideally, in a perfect world, we would have been. You know, we were pushing for a lot of growth this month. Um, so I think our budget was set up for 180, and you know, ideally, we would have been around 200 cars. But um, but we, uh, I think, in, in, with all the, I mean, we started the month the first two weeks of the month with two sales guys, and you know, to finish the month with over 100 cars delivered. Um, you know, we were all pretty proud of, of what we accomplished. And a big part of that was being already forward thinking and established. And I think for the dealerships that uh, were clinging to the old way of life, they're, they're faced with the, the reality of, of having to catch up now. And uh, for people who are forward thinking now, they're, they're ready for this new wave. I love the fact that, you know, forward thinking is what's really kind of required here. And, um, you know, to your point, Brandon, you guys were kind of already preparing for this. You know, for everyone out there that's watching and listening, you know, um, I know there's been a lot that you guys have done, you know, to kind of get prepared for this. And this wasn't an overnight thing. I think that's a lot what a lot of dealerships need to understand, too. There's no, there's no light switch. There's no magic diet pill. 
you know, there's no 12 minute abs, you know, program for us to get to the point where we're able to provide this type of experience, you know, for, uh, for our customers. So, you know, for what would, what would you say operationally, you know, the three biggest things that you've changed, you know, to kind of meet the customer's new expectations. So for us, um, a lot of stuff has to do with safety oriented, um, changes that we had to make. That was really the biggest change. So one of the things is now is before we used to have a customer, like a salesperson's cubicle and the, the customers would sit in the cubicle. They're actually sitting outside the cubicle now and there's a pane of glass between the salesperson and the customers now. Um, we've also had to stagger our, um, you know, the way we have a showroom set up with customers so that, that um, customers and salespeople are always at least six feet away. Again, we're really fortunate. We have a, a, a gigantic dealership. We actually have a second building, which is running right now. Besides, we have two buildings that uh, our sales department's operating out of right now just to help us with social distancing. But then again, we have we have tape on the floors showing how far six feet is. We have hand sanitizer everywhere. And then the other thing too is, is we've really made a deliberate uh, effort to show people how we're disinfecting cars. So when someone has a, wants to take a car for a test drive, for example, um, we'll have them, we have a drive-through service bay. So we have them walk into the drive-through service bay, salesperson pulls the car in, disinfects the whole car, customer gets in and drives it on their test drive solo now our salespeople are no longer going on test drives which is a new change and uh, and then when they're done they come back in we disinfect the car again and the salesperson goes and parks it um, same thing for trades we get the customer to drive the trade into the service bay we disinfect the car you know the used car manager or myself will go and appraise the vehicle and take it for a quick drive we bring it back in disinfect it again and then get it back to the customer um, so these extra steps that are oriented around safety have been the biggest changes for us in our day-to-day Dealing with customers online or at a distance is, is nothing new for us. So the real big changes had to do with changing how we operate from a safety standpoint, making sure that both customers and our staff are safe and that they feel that we're, you know, taking the necessary steps to ensure everyone's safety. Mm-hmm. You know, the necessary steps, you know, require a lot of communication. And this is where I find that kind of separates out uh, kind of the good dealerships to the great dealerships are the ones that are really really doing a phenomenal job of over communicating to their customers as far as what the process is. So if someone, you know, needs to service their car, you know, what are the one through 12 steps that I have to take? You know, um, you know, I, I bought something from Canadian Tire the other day and in my email confirmation of my order was like nine steps that I had to take to pick this thing up. It was like, I had to drive through this line. I had to wait for this person. I had to show them this confirmation number. Then they assigned me a parking spot to go park. And it's like, but you know what though? I went into you know, that, that, um, experience very, very confident because as a consumer, it was so clear to what I had to do, where I had to be. Right. So there's one line of communication that I want to talk about. Um, and Brandon, what, we're going to get into that a little bit of that with you, the, the, the communication I want I want to talk about with you, Bree, and I've seen, it, it was probably the biggest lack of communication is the communication to our staff. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's, there's a bunch of miss communication as far as what you should and shouldn't say. I mean, I talked to a dealer the other day where they told their HR person, I'm not going to say names. I won't throw them under the bus, but the HR person literally said, you should not talk to anybody laid off or furloughed. I was like, what? So you're going to lay off 62 people and then have no conversation with them at all during that time frame? Like, it just sounds like such a horrible idea to me. But Bree, I'd like to, I'll start with you. And then Brandon, I want to come to you. Communicating to your staff during, you know, the times of layoffs or, you know, furlough, you know, what are some of the best practices? Yeah, frequency for sure would be number one. Um, And it doesn't have to be like, 
here we are again in the pandemic. Um, you know, some of the best of our groups, um, we've been seeing them communicate about, here's what our leadership do team is doing to reopen. Here's this extra safety precautions, not just for our customers, but for you as our staff, because we want you to feel comfortable in the workplace, because that's a whole other issue that we're dealing with, right? And then just like, here's some tips to do at home while you're, you're bored. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you keep your mental health or communicating about your benefits programs and what EAP programs are available? I think oftentimes, you know, we assume that there's that severance of a relationship through a layoff or a furlough that all of a sudden they're not our responsibility. But really what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic was whether you were still employed or you were on layoff, those employees were looking to their employer to say, what the heck is going on? And just that sense of security. And I think what we've seen is the companies who do, who are doing that really, really well, whether it be in auto or outside, are gaining that engagement and loyalty from an employee perspective very differently than all of the other things we say are important to employees like good pay and culture and all of those other things. We're seeing just simply communicating with your staff to say, hey, I'm checking in is a really, really easy way to make sure that you keep your staff engaged, whether they're working or not. And that's, um, yeah, I certainly would say as much communication as possible and just being transparent and open. Nobody knew when we first started this how long this was going to play out. Even now that we're starting to roll people back in, having that communication with the staff to say, this is our phased approach. It could change, right? Because we know in Ontario right now, they're kind of monitoring for the next two to four weeks, whether or not we go to next, the next phase, right? And we could stay in lockdown longer or we could come back. And, you know, as leaders, we have to make sure that uh, we're one step ahead and providing as many resources as possible, um, communicating how to access CRB, what we're doing around the wage subsidy, why we might not choose to bring back people on a pay, uh, paid um, leave. So all of those other things that you're doing in the back end, you have to find a way to message that to your employees, especially to your managers so they can then communicate with their employees because you don't want that, you know, this is what we're doing here to then be translated to managers in a different way who then are the direct contact with the employee and then that's misconstrued or, or something is um, misunderstood. So communicate as often as possible um, is what my recommendation would be for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. You know, I, I saw a dealership um, that was holding a uh, weekly State of the Union yes. for, their, for their staff. And I thought it was actually an amazing thing. They actually invited me to come on uh, this Friday to kind of yeah. hang out with them and uh, just if, if I can provide any, you know, tips and tricks and just ideas and stuff like that. But they've been holding this weekly state of the union where the yeah. dealer principal is coming on and it's not mandatory, but, you know, it's it's there. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he's he has about four or five points that he's always kind of consistently updating. You know, as for so it's like, you know, uh, to your point, Bree, you know, a lot of people heard dealerships opening. Like a, lo yeah. a lot of salespeople heard that. That's not really what happened. You know, it's for us, it's like by appointment. Well, that doesn't mean that, you know, so there are a lot of salespeople that were making phone calls on Monday going, okay, boss, when am I coming back? When am I coming back? I mean, I'm reading all over the internet right now that, you know, dealerships are open. Well, that's, that's not really the case. So it's like that consistency and frequency. I'm with you on that, like uh, of that, of what we communicate now. I had a question for you and you may or may not be able to answer and that's fine. Um, but I did have a salesperson that actually refused to come back to work uh, because it was not clearly explained to them at all 
what the dealership was doing, all right, yeah. to to ensure, you know, this person's safety. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know from an HR perspective, you know, what is the requirements for us to communicate, you know, to our staff about about our precautionary efforts? Yeah, I mean, you want to put in, there's a few different policies you're going to want to put in play. And then obviously all the safety precautions, like the plexiglass, the PPE when and where necessary, the disinfecting. Um, I think the procedures that we're seeing come in play, like, do you have a person designated to disinfecting the key to the test drive car and that it's just like, it's almost like handed off into like a box and like, that's the box of dirty keys or whatever that looks like. Um, so I think that's a big piece, you know, the refusal to work thing is tough and it's definitely tricky um, because one, each province is slightly different and two, it really depends on the employee and the employer relationship and how candid of a conversation you can have with your employee. Ultimately, you know, that serious refusal of work requires someone in from the government to come and inspect to make sure that, you know, whether or not it's warranted. Um, but then there's also implications with CERB and whether or not an employee um, will still qualify for CERB. Like that whole point of that subsidy was um, for employees was because you are not able to work. Now the employer is saying, hey, your job's here. We're ready for you. Here's the 15 things we're doing to make sure we keep you and our customers safe and then them still refusing to come back. So there's a few implications from a legality standpoint um, that you always want to check with an employment lawyer. But you know, best practice, again, that communication, weekly huddles or daily huddles and check-ins, not in person, whether remotely or distanced, um, to say, like, here's a reminder about our protocols and then tracking those protocols. We know that the governments are going to be extremely stringent from a health and safety inspection standpoint. And so tracking and logging your steps and when things were cleaned and disinfected is super, super important in case you were to ever be inspected. So I think that's another component um, from a communication standpoint and a tracking perspective um, that we have to be mindful of. That's actually a really good point, Bree. And uh, Brandon, this kind of leads into my question for you. You know, we're, we're communicating to our customers, you know, uh, well, we should be communicating to our customers what our processes are. Um, but I, I'm a little concerned about one thing in particular, what we're communicating to our customers right now, is we're communicating to them that we're sanitizing their vehicle. And I just don't think dealerships realize what that means when you say something like that. Um, my family, we come from the restaurant and hospitality industry, and you know, I'm I'm pretty aware of how stringent it means to say that. I mean, there, there are many, many standard operating processes and sanitization processes that have to be followed, you know, but we've never as an industry had to sanitize a car. I mean, I saw a dealership the other day post a video where they just sprayed something into a rag and wiped down the handle and the steering wheel, and they were calling that sanitized. And I'm like, that is so far from sanitizing something, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned, but I'm finding the dealerships that are really winning at this are the ones that are over-communicating exactly what the process is. Uh, Brandon, for yourself, how are you finding, you know, uh, communicating to customers and what are some ideas that dealerships can, ha can use or execute to better their communication efforts? Sure. So, I mean, video is, is, has for a long time been the, the, the tool of the future, right? So um, we created a video explaining um, for our service one, a real detailed video explaining the process of how to get your car into service, what happens after you book your appointment and when you arrive for your appointment, and we're in the process of doing something similar for sales currently. 
um, I mean, the few of the things we've done that, that are, are obvious for people is, is just the amount of, of um, you know, there's hand sanitizers everywhere, there's stickers everywhere, advising people to stay six feet apart. Um, when you sit down at a, actually even FNI offices right now, when, for, when you do have to sign a contract in person, because all the banks have enabled us to do digital signing for the first time in a long time, the first time in ever really. But um, one thing we've done is we've actually put two desks back to back so that there's a, like there really is six feet of desk between you and the person that you're sitting in front of. That's a good idea. I like that. Before, which before was something that, that well, even now it still looks ridiculous, but it's, it's the things that we have to do when you're thinking about people's safety. And, uh, and then even again, when we, we go and we sanitize the cars, we, we went and invested a lot of money in, in a, a number of machines that are, that are like, they hook up to an air compressor and you spray down the whole thing. And it is, it is like real hardcore sanitization of a vehicle. You're using, uh, a, you're using a wet fogger then. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's a great way to do it. I mean, I, I, people have to understand that just taking a bottle of Lysol and spraying it onto a surface, that's, <laughs> that's not sanitizing. Anyways, I apologize. No, Keep going. And, and, oh no. And the problem, and I say when people see the, the you know, the, the lengths that we've gone, just even for just a test drive, they, they, they know that, that kind of goes further on in behind things that they can't see. And, uh, and I mean, I think those things are what's really important right now. What are you uh, communicating to customers as far as like the sales process? Like, you know, if it's like, if I, if I need to buy a car or my lease is coming due, you know, like how, like how descriptive have you guys gotten about, um, you know, here are the 17 steps. I, I don't know if there's 17 steps. I'm making that up, but yeah. you know, like, what, like how many steps are there and, and what, and how are you committing? Is it, are you on, is it on the website? Are you emailing them in advance? Are you uh, just kind of curiosity? Like what's that process and how you're communicating uh, the process? So in the early part of the pandemic, we really cut back on any sort of sales messaging. Everything was more about that. We're here. If you need us, um, we've only very recently shifted to, um, taking a more sales-centric approach to what we're, we're advertising, what we're marketing. Um, but it, it, it's nowhere near what it used to be still. A lot of what we're saying now is that, you know, we're here to support you. If you're, if you're in the need of your new power, we're here to, to, to help you out. And this is what we can do for you. And then um, here's, here's basically what we can do is, you know, let's set up an appointment. We have all these kinds of things about, you know, setting up an appointment now. Real focusing on, on setting appointments is the main thing. Um, and then the other two is, is it's a lot of explaining what we're doing as we do it. We wouldn't necessarily lay out the whole, say, 10 steps uh, ahead of time, but we're laying out maybe one or two steps at a time as we go through. So listen, you know, here's your, you've set an appointment. This is what you can expect when you first arrive, walk in, you know, go to reception, and then we'll sit at our desk. And then when they're at the desk, you know, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we, we're desanitizing your vehicle to be safe. You know, once you do your purchase, you're going to go in and, and speak with these people, and then we can deliver the vehicle to you. Uh, you don't need to come back in the store if you don't want to. But what we're finding too is that a lot of the customers that that are currently going out and, and you know shopping for a vehicle, they're the ones who aren't taking Corona very seriously, and 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 they they're not necessarily the ones who are ones home isolated and and, and afraid. A lot of these people, the ones who are uh, probably the same people, who might go out and protest it for whatever reason. But um, but uh, a lot of these people. But then we do, we do see some people. If we had someone who came in in a hazmat suit to to sign a contract. Like they were that terrified of, of what would, would happen. And uh, so there's a wide range of things that you're seeing. And there's a wide range of, of um, messages that we're communicating to people as well. A lot of it is playing off of the person um, when they tell you something, you know, if they're, if they're expressing a lot of concern over the safety features, then we amp up what we're explaining that much more and really go into detail, not just on the service side. But then we also explain all the things we're doing. That's oh, right. Not just on the sales side, but then we also explain the things we're doing on the service side just to put them at ease. 
because it's not just us. It's not just for you. This is what we're doing for everyone who comes into the dealership. So that that's really cool. I mean, I think, you know, like we've never had to over communicate this much ever, right? I mean, you gotta understand like as an industry, all of our communication efforts have been for one goal to get you into the dealership. <laughs> like that's everything we've said, everything we've trained on, everything we've coached on, everything we've developed on was like, you know, this is why you got to come in and service your car. This is why you got to come in and buy a car from us. You know, this is this is why you got to come in and buy parts from us. And, you know, I think as an industry, we're having to kind of retrain where, you know, the customer is the one that's going to have to really kind of drive the direction of the process where in the past, it's like, you know, you want to buy a car. Okay, cool. Here's our process. Come on in. You know, we'll we'll take you through it. And now it's or service, same thing. It's like here's our service process. Come on in. Now we're having to literally come up with maybe four or five different variations of that process because that's how consumers are going to want to actually engage with us. There's there's no one way anymore. I think there's there's so many ways to do that. And you know, brief for, from you know on the HR side, you kind of mentioned this earlier. You know, we need talent. Like it is going to require talented people, you know, that to to handle the new customer's expectations, right? You know, it, it's not enough now that we have warm bodies. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still amazed. I've been in the business for this long, and I still yeah. hear that term you yeah. used at least every or couple. Or they weeks. have a pulse. <laughs> like, yeah, you got a pulse. Yeah. Come on in. You want to, you know, like. Yeah. But no, seriously, we're, we're gonna have to change a lot of that. So, like, yeah. how do we find? How do we attract? How do we kind of train that new that new talent? I, I, I'm curious, Bree. I want to get your kind of thoughts and opinions on what you see the new talent's going to be for our industry, and then Brandon, I'll, I'll get your thoughts and opinions as well, Bree. Yeah. So I think, again, it's all in the, it's the same thing we've been talking about from a communication standpoint. It's all in the messaging. Like, what are you expecting this person to do from a skill set and what prior experience would help benefit um, that skill set? So selling, selling might not be that skill set we're looking for anymore, right? Um, It's more about that relationship build because you have to do it remotely. So you have to have someone who's skilled in that. Like I said, digitally uh, inept, you know, someone who's able or digitally skilled per se, um, is super important. Someone who's comfortable on video or on camera um, or on FaceTime, whatever method that the dealer is going to use. Um, you know, I think again, like as we we transition, I think what will be interesting is how we switch auto to more of that. And not to say that auto was never having like professionals in it, because obviously it has, but it's never had that demeanor as an industry. Where you look at real estate, for example. Right. Um, like one of the big conversations a few years ago with it's dealers. It's okay, Bree. Was, you can say it. We're just a bunch of degenerates. <laughs> well, that's what people perceive <laughs> it as, but that's not the case. Well, I'll tell you, the first dealership I worked for was a bunch of degenerates. Right. right. I mean, there, you pretty much got your bonus check and it was like, let's go to the bar. How yeah, much alcohol yeah. can we possibly consume until Saturday morning meeting? Show up to a Saturday morning meeting still piss drunk from the night before, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> but no, I, 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 sorry, I digress. But yeah, yes, yeah, you can, no. you can use the word degenerates because there, yeah, there's yeah. still a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's some, but there's some in every industry. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, you look at the real estate model. Um, a few years ago, we were having conversations with dealers who were like so anti-social media. And we were like, this is free promotion for your dealership. If Joe takes it upon himself to promote you through social media because he wants to sell or she wants to sell more cars. And, you know, there was always this hard, like 
fear of what would happen or the liability. But, you know, you look at Royal LePage or you look at, um, you know, Sutton Group, you follow any of their real estate agents on social media. And those people are 100% focused on their personal brand. So as an industry, how do we enable our people to have that entrepreneurial spirit and recruit for that, that they're really kind of, you know, selling you as a, as a dealership, you're kind of there facilitating, supplying the product and supplying the space. Um, and they're the ones kind of, you know, going out there and, and promoting it very organically. And again, as we see this personalization in the customer experience and the contact list, you're going to need those people who have that org organic pull. Um, so I think it's just switching our methodology of this is, and again, this pandemic again has accelerated that of this is how it's always been done and looking at other industries around us to say, you know what, they have independent um, you know, salespeople um, who are responsible for high worth um, transactions, and how do we replicate a very similar model in um, in dealerships? And that and that means a different pay plan, right? That means um, different roles and responsibilities. That means not necessarily requiring someone. Um, and Brandon, you might disagree with this one. Not requiring someone to be there from nine till five, right? Maybe it's a different position you have that's there from nine to five to help handle that walk-in traffic once we're allowed to do that. Um, but then you have those professionals who are there to take you through the rest of the process, similar to how a, a real estate agent would do. So I think looking at the sales and then also looking at the service side is how does that contact list delivery and what are the different positions on the service side um, that enable clients to feel empowered around, around that side of the business too. So I think as every time you're reshifting an organization and you have a, a different customer experience, you have to kind of have your your swim lane, swim lane running beside it, saying, "Okay, what? How does this affect my people and my roles and responsibilities? And and kind of who is the type of person that can fit that role?" Um, because I think we always, you know, just go with the status quo of this is what a sales consultant or a service advisor is supposed to do without actually saying. What is the purpose of this role within my organization and within the customer experience? So stopping and asking yourself that question right now is really, really important too. No, I think that's that's a great point, Bree. I mean, and, and we could definitely take a look at the real estate industry and how mm -hmm. they've done it. I, I've consulted and done seminars for uh, many different brokerages. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you what I find consistently with all of them. It's a mandate. Yeah. It's not an option. Like, yep. if you work for this brokerage, all right, and it's, they literally have it written into the employment agreement, all right, yeah. that you will do this. Mm -hmm. You will stay on top of your social media efforts, all right? You will be willing to communicate, you know, via text message or uh, a social messenger or whatever the customer feels comfortable in. Like, they, they've, they've written it down to the point where they've just... It's not an option. It's not. It's no longer a good idea. It is a mandate, and I feel like that's how they're able to quickly get the entire body of agents up to a par. Where I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I can engage with a real estate agent right now and never have to call them. Yeah. You know, like I mean, almost every agent I know, like I can literally, just, I can pick this thing up and say, "Hey, I, I saw this property on ABC Street, and it's you know six seventy five ABC Street. I'm interested." And then they would, con they wouldn't call me and say, "That's great. When can you come by?" Yeah. Like they would just, they would continue to have, they, they would continue to have the conversation with me over the device that I have engaged with them in the first place. But now it's Sock Automotive. Now we haven't necessarily done. Now branding, you're a little different. Because your guys' dealership has, I think, probably gotten closer to more what 
the uh, real estate in, uh, industry has done as far as mandating the usage of of uh, technology like video chat. So let's talk, walk me through that journey, you know, because I know it wasn't a short journey. So also talk a little bit about how much time it's taken for you guys. Because again, I think for a lot of dealers so, out there, it's, it's not a flip of a switch. So walk me through that journey. So uh, this started long before my time. Actually, Chris Beaton was um, a big catalyst for this process. They started with a, a video platform here called Authentic, or I believe the original video platform they used. And um, after Chris Beaton had gone to, I think it was a Kijiji X or Dealer Talk X, something in Toronto, he had this idea for, for basically, you know, taking that to the next step. And we created a platform we called Dealbox here. And, uh, you know, this was years in the making. Like I think if I remember correctly, they started back in 2014 with the original one. And then in 2016, they started developing our own platform. And now we have our own platform. We're actually about to roll out the, the new version, like the next version, version 2.0 of our DLOX here. And it's an all-encompassing video platform now. And, and we really do. We mandate it. So um, every lead that a, a salesperson receives is supposed to be responded to with a video. Uh, they also need to send a minimum of 10 videos a day. Um, so if you don't get 10 leads a day, you need to send, find a reason to send 10 videos. Like we're doing walk-around videos. We're doing video follow-ups. We're doing sold follow-ups with video. Uh, you know, happy birthday messages from a video from your salesperson just to stay engaged, right? Um, anything that you can use, um, we, we, we do it over video. And it's, it's, it's much higher um, conversion. People seem to respond to it a lot better. And one of the things that's really good for us, especially with the platform that we develop, is we, we get so much more information back. We know when they open it. We know how long they watch it. We know if they share it with friends. Um, so there's a lot of the stuff built into it. And now with this new version of Dealbox that we're rolling out, we're getting actually leads funneled right into the Dealbox platform. So we can actually track the life of a lead all through our own platform that we've built in-house. And we actually, the Dealbox platform itself actually won GM's Innovation Award, um, which was a, a really high honor. Um, it's awesome. We're the only dealership ever won this Innovation Award. So uh, for us, it's something we're really proud of. And, and again, we mandate it to our salespeople that, this is something you will use. And if you don't want to use it, but it's totally fine. You just won't work here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I love that. I'm sorry. I just want to take a moment here real quick. This is the way I'm doing business. This is the way we're going to meet the customer's expectations. And if you don't like it, go find somewhere else to work. Like that is so perfect. Right. But, but no, seriously, I mean, there's a lot of dealerships out there that are afraid of doing that. Right. They're afraid of doing that because they have the, you know, those those couple old dogs, you know, in their dealership that makes up, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of their monthly sales, you know, but, you know, they're not tracking their efforts. You know, they don't know how many customers they're burning through to actually be able to achieve those numbers, you know. So, like, I, I'm curious, you know, uh, for you, Brandon, did you guys lose any 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 employees over this? Yes, we've uh, there was some turnover that uh, happened as a result of some people being stubborn to new processes and not wanting to, uh, you know, embrace the future. Um, but the people who really did embrace it, like our two top sales people now we have uh, are among two of the highest performers in our whole group. Like we're a 40 store group and they're among the, they're the top 10 uh, every year. Like these guys are selling north of 220 vehicles a year. And, uh, um, you know, these guys committed to the process. They saw the value in it early. Um, they really adopted it. They worked hard with it and it's paid off in spades for them. And now when we have the new salespeople in, I can tell, like I hired good sales guys and I've hired bad sales guys. But um, one of the things now is, is that really early on, one of the steps I'm doing now as part of the hiring process is I'm actually getting people to send me a video before I hire them. Because That's awesome. if you're not natural on video, you're not going to, it's not, it's not going to fly here. It's not something you can just teach right away. 
And um, if you think that comfortable on video, at least at least have the you know the ability to, to at least make a fool of yourself on video, then you'll never do it here. So that was actually going to be my next question for you was, I mean, obviously this has changed also who you're hiring and how you're attracting them. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, are, are you finding that you're hiring people that you would have maybe never thought you would have hired in the first place? Um, I've hired, there's been a couple people that I've hired that I didn't think I was going to hire. Um, but uh, for the most part now, it, what it is, is it's, it's actually showing me a lot of times with the people I thought I was going to hire, I'm really not hiring them anymore. That's been the bigger change. People who I thought were going to be a, a, a slam dunk, um, I'm sussing that stuff out a little bit easier now. And, and I think that's exactly what happens when, you know, you kind of lay out what your expectation of the employee is and knowing that that expectation is in line with the customer's expectation of how they actually engage with them. Hey guys, I, I, I know we, we can go on for this for a while and I think we probably should do another one of these soon because, um, oh, real quick, Brandon, actually, uh, the product that you guys have, is that available to any other dealerships? Sorry, it's only available to steel currently. All right, you guys heard it. If you want to utilize this product, you're gonna to have to go work for a steel dealership. <laughs> Um, hey, but before we go, guys, and we finish off, I get to ask my favorite question of the day. Now, I prepped you both for this before we got here, but it's now time. All right, Bree, you're up. What is pissing Bree Newman off? Um, Probably the negativity around COVID. Like, I'm a very positive outlook type of person so hearing the down in the dumps this is so terrible um obviously it sucks for sure i don't want to downplay that we're going through a world pandemic but you know like we've had like six or whatever weeks we've all kind of been in this lockdown to sit back and be like how am i going to come out of this stronger um and so the people who are like i'm just i'm just so sick of this like utilize that time like like we've had, like, I actually am starting to be like, have I utilized my time well enough during this time? Like, I'm like, we're going to go back to like normal. And I'm going to be like, did I do enough? Well, I, like we weren't in our, in our pandemic world. So I think that's probably like what's bothering me the most is the constant, you know, groundhog day of, I can't believe that this is our new normal. Um, you know, people who no, feel I'm, I'm with you I, I mean i think there are a lot of people out there that are kind of stuck in this groundhog day type of just like mood and negativity so no i'm with you on that i, I know a handful of those all right mr brandon smith you're up here all right, I, all right. what is got, pissing brandon smith off i got two for you so my first one is an easy one my my daughter who i love very very much she is about three and a half right now but she has become a sleep terrorist lately and I just wish I could have one night of a just nice long sleep, uninterrupted, you know, no fights before bed or at midnight when I'm just about to go to bed myself. Um, that would be one thing I would really, really love to change. I could, she was such a good sleeper when she was an infant for so long. I don't know what's going on right now, but I want her back. That would be one. And then the second one is, is all, these, the, all the conspiracy people around the COVID stuff and all the coronavirus stuff, it's just insane. Like, but like there's there's so many of them and they're changing every day and they're getting more and more just ludicrous as, as time goes on and i'm i'm so sick of it i'm so sick of it. like like people saying oh justin trudeau is under house arrest or 
you know, the thing was developed in the lab and got out. And there's always things that just simple research can prove wrong, but these people are spouting it like it's gospel, and I hate it so much. I'm with you on that. I, I have a neighbor, and like, I like my neighbor a lot, but it's like the second like I walk out the door, he's got a new conspiracy theory. Like he, like he knows, he's like, I know exactly what happened. I know how it all happened. Do you want to come? Let me tell you what happened. I'm like, I, uh, no, I got, no, uh, uh, I got to take out the trash in uh, six feet away, six feet away. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you on that one, Brandon. Hey, uh, for everyone out there, uh, who, sorry, what was that, Bree? I have a neighbor to, to that point who keeps inviting me to the protests. Oh, no. And it's now on the fact that this was so they could put up 5G networks. Like, and stop oh. every time, every time. Oh, well, that's a good one. I like that one. Oh, that's a good one. Hey, guys, for everybody out there that's listening and watching right now and would love to connect with the two of you and learn a little bit more about what you guys do and follow along with your journey, um, what is the best way to do so? Bree, I'll start with you. Yeah, so any one of our HR4 uh uh, handles so hr4 underscore dealers on instagram we're also active on linkedin um, my personal linkedin i'm quite active on and then hr4.com um, you can always get in touch with us there awesome and, and brandon for yourself what is the best way to connect with you easiest thing for me is just reach out on linkedin i'm pretty active on linkedin um i respond to everyone i got a lot of people from messaging me on linkedin and i'll always message you back lots of conversations on there with other sales guys and dealers and whatnot. And um, I'm the only Brandon Smith that works at Steel Chef, so it should be easy to find. There's a lot of Brandon Smiths, but only I was one say, There's a lot of Brandon Smiths, but you're the only one at Steel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey guys, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You guys have I yourself a good one. See ya.